Welcome to In the Village, a prisoner intro cast. Today we'll be doing episode 5, Charms of Big Ben. But before we uh, do all that, my name is Shane, as joined as always by my good friend Bob. Hello again. Uh, Aaron. Salutations. And John. Hello. And this week we are also joined by our incredibly special guest, uh, Rue. Oh, thank you very much. Hello there. And uh, Rue, you do an, inc- an incredible prisoner podcast yourself. You mean this isn't it? I've gone I've <laughs> to the wrong podcast by mistake. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's very, thank you. It's very kind of you to say so. And, and um, I've really been enjoying your podcast as well. Well, it's, um, what's it called? Well, I don't know what it's called. What, your podcast? <laughs> your podcast. <laughs> we call ourselves The Village People and uh, no relation to any uh, 70s pop group. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's just it's, we're we're just three old codgers who who waffle a lot basically about the prisoner. But um, yeah, I like your approach. That I, I mean, I've really been enjoying your podcast because it's nice to see a new audience uh, in the twenty first century coming to the prisoner fresh and 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 bringing their ideas along you know and, and and i'm i'm really finding that so interesting it's, it's a great way of tackling the show thank you very much where can we find your podcast oh gosh uh where can you find it well it's on itunes uh you can also find it at the uh lib sin network uh which is l-i-b-s-y-n but Honestly, I can't think why anyone would want to find us because it really is just free, boring old codgers waffling on. Shane told me about the village people and I've been listening, so I certainly think people should be listening to it. Oh, you're very kind, sir. Thank you very much. Yes. But it, it, it is quite a spoiler, isn't it, Ruth? So if anybody, it, if any yeah. newbies are listening... Newbies uh, avoid it. Exactly. We're, we're, we're doing a different order to you guys as well. So, your next episode is, you're going to be doing episode five next, which is also an episode that we've already covered. Yes. <laughs> and we've already covered this one that we're doing today, so it's <laughs> it's crazy. Yes, indeed. Uh, but we'll get to the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as always, we start with the TV war synopsis. And the TV war synopsis says, a helicopter brings in a new arrival, but this time there was a name, Nadia, and the prisoner finds himself with a new neighbour. They meet, and her story is curiously akin to his own. All, has, all she has done is resign. Though the prisoner has an ally, can they effect an escape? Number six is a safe in bed, and he's been woken up by the village radio. Again with that damn radio. Yeah, uh, damn radio. Yeah, very grumpy. Rude awakening. Yeah, and um, he's being watched by the new number two. Uh, quite a middle-aged man this time around, with quite a powerful, booming voice. Uh, what did you think of this particular, the new number two? Well, I I love Leo McKern to bits. Um, 
he's he's one of my favorite character actors anyway um and the prisoner was where i first encountered him but but some of you may know him from rumpole of the bailey which yeah. he was very famous for uh this side of the atlantic yeah but, True, truly great actor, and he, he's been in so many uh, great movies, TV shows over the years. Yeah. What about you, Aaron and John? What do you think of this particular number two? Oh, um, I like him. Uh, you know, it was because I've seen him before, and I couldn't think of where I, I, I had seen him before while while I was watching the episode, and it was bugging the hell out of me. Yeah. So I had to look him up, and I'm like, "Oh, I know that guy. He was a blue lagoon." Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I honestly think he he seemed to take. I know number two is supposed to have the greatest amount of interest in in number six, but honestly, I of all the number twos so far, he seemed to have the most interest in in him entirely, and that for me, kind of kind of really. I, I kind of wish we had had this amount of interaction with the previous number two from our last episode because it would have been a lot cooler to see how that number two handled him. But I, this number two combined kind of that, you know, that, that iconic booming voice with interaction with number six that I kind of have started to expect out of number two with number six. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Just, go ahead. No, no, you don't have He is probably my favorite number two. Uh, like Rue, I've also liked him as an actor. And when I was watching this uh, as it aired, I recognized him as a villain from the Beatles movie Help. And I think that was probably the first time in my life that I recognized an actor from one role to another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, number two's got a lovely assistant played by. Christopher Benjamin. Thank you, yeah, thank you. I lost his name for a moment. Who plays the labor exchange manager in Arrival. Mm. But He's this had a promotion. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's number but, 22 now. Yeah. Uh, he was number 20 in that episode. I'm getting I'm getting these numbers in on behalf of your listener, Sergeant Drano, because <laughs> I know he's obsessed with the numbers. Yes, so, he is. That's it. Sergeant, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> but that's him. But yeah, but he's over. But for some bizarre reason, he's over. Uh, Christopher Benjamin is overdubbed in this. Yeah, yeah, it's hard that because yeah. um, he's got a perfectly acceptable voice. Um, yeah. It's uh, Robert Rietti who's dubbing him, and and uh, Robert Rietti um, sometimes when you get a a generic number two voice on the openings, that that that's him doing it. That's yeah. him doing the you know. Now, was there, did they give a reason as to why they overdubbed him? No. Nope. Mm. No, none at all. So, you know, um, I don't know if he's meant to be a different character or, you know, uh, a village clone. Um, it, it's just one of those mysteries. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we cut to um, number six, playing chess with the general. Second, <laughs> epi- second episode in the row we've had a chess motif. Sergeant, it's number 54. <laughs> played by Finley Curry. Yes, indeed. Fine old actor with a magnificent moustache. That was quite the moustache. Oh, was. yeah. But gonna, he was in the military, so you're going to you're gonna have to uh, get the moustache. Yes. 
It harks me back, going off topic, I know, for a moment, but it harks me back to an Avenger episode oh. where Steed was beat, where Steed was a sergeant, or pretending to be a sergeant in the military. Right. And he was, um, and he went around with the tip, tip, top hole, and <laughs> with the most ridiculous mustache you could possibly see. Yes. I, I don't think anyone ever talked like that in England. We, we, we just do it on TV shows. Yes, I think we for do. For Americans, I think. You know, just do. <laughs> yeah, I think we do. Uh, so, uh, number six approaches um, the chess game, and the prisoner has won the chess game, and the, the generals seem to be a bit perturbed at losing the chess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would like uh, to point out that while they were uh, uh, playing the chess game, the... Uh, Six is talking to him about, you know, uh, what military were you in? Because the general had made it mention of that he was a commander, and the guy doesn't answer him. Yeah. It's a lovely scene, though, actually. It's well played. You know, the, 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 yeah. there, are, there are moves on the chessboard and, and, and verbal moves going on as well at the same time. Yeah, it's almost as if they're hinting at something. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so we have the first appearance of Miss Nadia Gray. Yes. Yeah. Can, on a stretcher. But yeah. He brought off uh, a he helicopter. Brought, exactly. Exactly. And uh, um, then number we cut back into the Green Dome, and number six is having a quite a nice chat, supposedly, with uh, number two. <laughs> yes. Quite a, quite a friendly little discussion. That in and of itself is unusual. Yes. But only to an extent. Yeah. Only to an extent. I mean, you, you get the scene where um, number two wants to know how many sugars number six takes. Yeah. And, um, it's in the report. It's in the file. Yes. Yeah. I won't even give you that much information. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then N- Nadia and wakes he ends up. up uh, he ends up putting like four uh, sugars in his tea. Yeah, to piss <laughs> the guy off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your files don't tell you everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Nadia wakes up, and she's oh, she seems to be very very confused, mm-hmm. and she says, "Well, come and visit me in the Green Dome." With that, yeah, they. They did a play off the whole uh, first episode with her. Yeah, yeah. He's even like, "Hey, uh, reminds you of your first time, doesn't it?" Ha ha. Yes. And then number six uh, leaves the Green Dome, uh, wanders across the street, and bumps into Nadia coming out of her house on her way to the Green Dome. And she asks for directions. Yes. And anyone who's ever been to Port Merion will know that. If you come out of Prior's Lodging, which is the building used as, as Nadia's house, um, and look straight ahead of you, I mean, practically what you see is the Green Dome. Oh, yes. You really wouldn't need to ask directions. Yeah. You've got number six's house, uh, the round house, yeah. and the Green Dome above it, you can see mm. ahead of you. Yes. But it's round street upstairs. Yes. Yeah. Cross street upstairs. Came <laughs> Although actually, that that's um, that's not really Port Merion you're seeing there. That that that's the um, the set back at um, MGM. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, they do a lot of uh, set transitions in this episode. 
Yeah. There, was, there wasn't much location filming in this episode. Sadly not. No. Uh, I bet there's a... Because all in our, all of our previous episodes, we've, we've, it's been heavy location, but on this one, there's yeah. about three or four little inserts, and that's it. Yes. 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 And they, they were kind of more or less filmed those inserts um, just at the end of the first block yeah. of Port Merion filming. Yeah. You know, what, what they could fit in. Yeah. <laughs> so the date I've got in front of me is September 1966. Mm. We're using only Patrick McGowan and Ange- Angelo Muscat with any doubles as necessary. Yeah. Hmm. So that'd be uh, Frank Mayher would, would, would double for yeah. Patrick McGowan. Yeah. And, and you'd probably have um, you know, you know, uh, one of the Port Merion uh, people, uh, bit part players, would, would double Nadia, I expect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, local, uh, uh, local Huin Vagion, uh, no, let me just try, let me pronounce that again. Uh, Huin Vaughn mm-hmm. Hatcher was the double of Nadia. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, that, the shots on location were actually filmed on Thursday, the 15th of September, 1966. So if you've got a time machine, set your coordinates appropriately. Yes. Go and watch it being filmed. Exactly, that would be nice. Um, then, we, then, many, what seems to be many, many hours later, uh, Nadia comes out of number, uh, number two's green dome, and number six and number, two, Nadia and number six have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Are you going? I um, I don't know if you're going to raise the Farney subject of the alternate chimes of Big Ben. The triluminary sequence. There's um, yeah, because yeah. this this is cut out. Yeah, and 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 I don't know if the newbies um, they haven't seen it. Right, right. I, so I, I posted it. I, I posted it in the spoiler group. Yeah, right. Uh, we can again with the spoiler group. You're ruining yeah. everything for me, Bob. Group. Let's have a brief discussion here, and then um, we'll uh, then I'll just post it when the episode goes like. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a scene. Uh, it's caught, and it's um, number six is playing around with a device he's built called a triquetrum, which um, is to help him uh, looking at the stars, try and get a position for where the village actually is and of course that's going to be important to this particular story um, the location of the village in a way it hasn't been before so is it like a sextant? yeah yes and they just cut that scene out completely the, the other major difference in the alternate episode is they use really awful theme music (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's grim you're right there Bob <laughs> yes uh, yeah and um, it was accidentally sent to Canada mm. to oh. be yeah because uh, Canada was showing the episode before we were in England yeah and yeah I know, I know it was a Canadian exclusive um, but then 
they sent the wrong episode over. So it was put into a filing cabinet, lost for 30 years, then uh, released on the uh, first DVD box set. Actually, was it? Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, but it, it's nice it was found, because yeah. it gives us a, a kind of insight into the thought processes that yeah. were going on when, when they were developing the prison. Yeah, yeah. You get to see, you know, there, there's di- you know different different theme tune and um, you know different sound effects and, and little bits of you know changed dialogue. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't really impact if you've not seen the the, no. the alternate version. No. I d- don't worry about it. But if you're interested in filmmaking, it's worth seeking it out to compare the differences. Mm-hmm. As I said, it will be on the uh, main page same day I put the episode out so if you're listening to this it's on the page <laughs> uh, so you Sergeant Drano yes he, he's seen it yeah. <laughs> he has yes. yeah. I also thought that from the way number six is talking to Nadia and to number two that he knows an awful lot about the village by now you know their customs their greetings the geography and so forth and I think that makes a pretty convincing argument that this episode shouldn't have been second the way it was aired, that it should have fallen somewhat later in the run. Yeah. Well, they I, may I mention think... later on that uh, he's been there for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this this does seem like it was one of those episodes that should have been, you know, like seventh or eighth in broadcast instead of second. Mm-hmm. It yeah. might be that they chose it second because there are so many resonances with Arrival and back then we didn't have video players or, you know, DVDs. Um, you had to remember from week to week. So maybe the thinking behind um, in the UK order listing it as, as the second was that, you know, you'd be thinking back to what had happened to number six in Arrival all the time you were looking at what was happening to to uh, Nadia in this story. That's my theory anyway. Yeah. I mean, we do have a voicemail coming up later on from uh, Nutty, who actually saw this as the second episode. Uh-huh. So that would be, so be a very interesting listen, I think. Yes. <clears throat> so number six invites Nadia uh, into uh, the house and they have a bit of a conversation. And... Nadia uh, accuses number six of being number two's um, spy. Yes. And with that, she leaves. We cut back to the following day, and they're all on the... Well, I was going to say they're all on the beach, but all on the uh, MGM back lot as a beach. Yes. And if you notice, um, the Admiral, uh, number 66, who... um, number six played chess with in Arrival. He's there now and he's making sandcastles. Yeah. And you think, what has happened to that man that since the first episode, you know, where he was playing chess? And he's, I think he's about the only person we see who, who beats uh, number six at chess. Now he's reduced to making sandcastles. Yeah. And, and you know, that that's kind of, you know, one of the horrible little background things about what what's really going on in the village despite all all the you know c- 
colour and the, you know, the fun and the loudspeaker holiday camp announcements. Yeah. It's, it's a grim place. Yeah. Um, so, number uh, six and number two have a bit of a conversation. Um, what did Aaron and John think of that conversation about the uh, the entire world becoming like the village? Finally, we figure out what the hell the point of the village is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my initial reaction when I started hearing that conversation. I was like, wait, so this is the point of the village? That's not horrible, but okay. <laughs> I was just finally glad to get a point. It's like, what the heck is the point of this village? At some, at, or he could have been lying at the, by the time I got to the end. It's like, you know, he could have been lying about this. But at the, at the point of initially hearing this, I finally, finally thought, finally, a reason for the village. Mm. How about you, John? Mm. Well, he, uh, number six makes mention that he's, you know, what, he says something like he's a lifer. Yeah. Because of what he knows. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of it is genuine. I mean, considering they're 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 specifically to break him and get what's in his head. Um, but it seemed like an interesting moment of, you know, he's trying to hey, just play along and things will be easier for you. You know, don't put yourself through all this pain. Um, I enjoyed it. It was it was a really good scene. Um, plus, you know, 1960s swimwear. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> did did you did you newbies think that um, number two was was being almost surprisingly candid with number two? It's almost like he's kind of off duty, and he's saying, "Yeah, look, we're both here for life. You know it. I know it." Yeah, I did kind of get that feeling. Um, the, I'm forgetting which episode it was in that we watched. The one where um, they have the uh, contraband cave with alcohol. Yeah. And you have yeah, and you have the uh, the number two in that one, and he's like, oh, "Screw the village! I hate the village." <laughs> but it it's a uh, it's obviously a ploy because you know he's not really getting drunk. There is no contraband cave. It's all you know. Hey, we're gonna screw with your head and see if we can finally break you. But this seemed like more of yeah look I, I know I'm a jerk and I'm, I'm here to be a jerk and yeah you can just you know play along and things will go easy because you're never getting out and I'm never getting out so it's, it seemed like he was at least making the attempt to try and you know relate to six yeah and I think yeah, I you guys were saying earlier they, this 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 number two seems very intensely interested in uh, number six in a way that the other new, number twos so far haven't and you, you kind of wonder if maybe he sees a little bit of himself in number six um, well I'm not sure about that but okay. um, I do like the fact that he's always going through and he's always updating Six's mm. files with his personal observations, you know, and he keeps making mention that you know Six is a funny guy, and they didn't put that that in his file. Yeah. Um, it also leads me to believe that Six ends up using that against him to help him get out. 
this this conversation though i mean for the time the prisoner was made i mean going back back to that time in the 60s um we're really at the height of the cold war i mean we're, we're just over the cuban missile crisis in october 1962 and 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 this is probably the near you know which was near the nearest we've probably come to world war three actually happening mm. and then and then you've got this speech where someone's saying you know it's two sides of a mirror looking at one another we're both the same and 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 for its time, I thought that was quite daring. Yeah, that that is a good point because you know the, he he makes mention that like the whole point of the village is to uh, you know homogenize or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially given the the political climate at the time, you know, with the um, with the the troubles in Berlin that were happening, and like you said, the yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis. The, the fact that you have a show that's coming out and saying, hey, you know, both sides are screwed up. Both sides are doing the same thing for the same reasons. They're just putting different spins on it. Yeah. You know, that's that's bordering a little bit on subversion. So, you know, I think that's the the great strength of speculative fiction. I'm I'm surprised that with a speech like that and, and other things that go on in, in The Prisoner, that it was as popular as it was when it was shown in America at the time. Um, in Britain, uh, after the war, we, we were getting more of a feeling of um, sort of, you know, may, maybe our political masters, you know, don't know it all. Maybe we, you know, this deference we, we've had towards them, you know, for, for hundreds of years, maybe they don't deserve it. Um I, I don't. I, I mean, this might be a question more for Bob. You know, um, you know, at, at, at the time watching it, you know, how, how, how did he feel? Well, I loved it. I'd never seen anything remotely like it. You know, I was used to maybe Star Trek or things like that, and The Prisoner was just on another level as far as subversion and that sort of thing. And mm. at the time, you know, we were going through. Vietnam and, and riots in the streets and such. So yeah. there was certainly a lot of questioning of our leadership as well. Yeah. That's that's very interesting to me to get your perspective on it as well. And I think, I think that, you know, it, it, it's one of the, the, the nice things about your, your podcast that you, you've got this um, transatlantic kind Definitely. of thing going yeah. where, you know, we're able to compare notes yeah. and bond with one another about yeah. this. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, we see Nadia uh, go out to sea, as it were, and start swimming. And number two, uh, at the Green Dome, very, very quick to get back to the Green Dome, if you don't mind me <laughs> saying so. Uh, teleport. Did you know yes. all number twos can teleport? It's part of the village. <laughs> for, for a little fat man, he can move. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I thought was really weird about this was that Nadja was wearing her number badge on her bathing suit. I mean, if you're trying to escape, wouldn't you think that that might be a way they could track you? Yeah. Yeah. But a, a very obvious piece of the village that they give you as a designator might be a tracking device. What are you talking about, Bob? 
I thought I was just forcibly already sewn in on everything, but uh, no, it isn't because we see number six take his badge, uh, rip his badge off in Arrival. Well, after that though, I don't know. Oh, that's true. That's true. They, they learned their lesson the first time. <laughs> and uh, number two realizes that Nadia is an Olympic swimmer. Yeah, so like a bronze medalist, wasn't she? Something. Yeah. yeah. And so he put us a, a orange alert, and we see Rover catching her up, and we see Rover's babies for the second time. Yeah, it's like <laughs> too many Rovers. Yes. What did you think of the hypnotic effect? Um, this sort of psychedelic. Um, I thought that was a little weird because before, whenever we've seen uh, Rover take somebody, it's always been that sort of stretch plastic thing over the face when while Rover consumes them and yeah. then brings them back to the village, and then suddenly they're doing like this weird sort of trippy sequence. I, I suppose in retrospect, it's probably because of who she actually was. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a little out of place. I mean, like, does Rover have different standards for women? Is that it? I thought, I thought the village was all about equality. Uh, oh, this is, this is, this is, no, it's a new model Rover, clearly. Uh, Rover 3.0. Uh, yeah, 3.0, <laughs> And then uh, we cut to the hospital, and Nadia is in the examination room being watched by number two and number six. And we have the... the With an electric floor. Exactly. An electric floor. Now, this is this is your plan A for breaking somebody. We're going to put you in a room with a bowl of water and an electric floor. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> and she's, she wants to die. Basically. She works out that if she put... There's no current for four seconds. She runs across the room, and then she stops before she opens the door. Kill me, kill me, kill me. Yes. I actually, uh, I may, I may mark there, but I, I think she really sells this scene. Um, it, it's easy to talk about Magoo and, and McKern. You know these these, these two uh, great actors, but you know she's she's a pretty great actress. And, um, <laughs> yes, you, you know I, I I thought she was very good, and 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 she really sells this, and she's meant to. She, you know she's meant to be selling um, that she's a fellow prisoner to number six, who's also. Do you think he's been kind of made complicit in this in this scene? Uh, by by, he's standing with number two, and number two is explaining what's going on. And we've also had this with, we, you know, he was allowed to watch Nadia waking up earlier in the episode. It's almost like you're oh, you're in on this. Yeah, I think that's what they were implying at. Yeah. Plus, um, you know, in looking at it from the end of the episode, you realize why they're doing this. But. I think part of it's to try and build an emotional bond between him and uh, the new number eight. And it works. For once, there's a woman that he's not treating with complete contempt. Yes. Well, to be fair, he treats everybody with complete contempt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But he has to be convinced by this demonstration. I mean, he's seen that electric floor work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, number six convinces number two to, uh, to take her under his wing, as it were. Yeah. And um, well, uh, he, he makes a deal with uh, two that yeah. if if they let her out of the hospital, he'll compete in their uh, arts and crafts show or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I would like to point out that in the hospital when they're making that deal, he looks into that one red uh, room where they have all the people next to the wall, and all oh, of their the feet yeah. Yeah. are going to the same beat. So. What yeah. the hell are they doing in that room? Uh, answers on the postcard, please. And there's that nursery rhyme music going, so you've got this theme of um, infantilization, you know, like you had with, you know, the Admiral playing sandcastles down there on the sand, you know, yeah. if you picked up on that. You know, this is not a nice place. No. Yeah, it could... You know, it makes it makes you think. I mean, is it is that the room they put people in after they break them, or is that the room that they put people in to break them? Um, possibly, possibly. Um, but we um, see number six and Nadia off to the woods to create a lovely. Uh, <laughs> Exhibition Pete, shall I say. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't look like a boat. No, it's not a boat at all. No, nothing That's like a boat. <laughs> what are you saying there, Shane? It's not <laughs> a boat. Surely not. No, 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 it's a door. It's a door. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a door. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to point out again, I think it's just reflection of the times, but um when they're walking up to where he's gonna, you know, carve out the tree. Yeah. Uh, the statue turns, but he's like, "Oh, they have video here, but there's no audio. You can say what you want." Yeah. Again, you know, it's just they're. I'm not sure if it's like just not not thinking about it or uh, just working with what they have to get people to connect. But the idea that you know audio and video have to be on two separate channels as yeah. opposed to just one main line. Yeah. I mean, we had that a bit last week. In uh, Checkmate, when he when number six saw the statue roll around, and at that point he knew the same was going on. I think it also goes back to what Bob was saying earlier that number six must have been here some time now to have scoped this out, and, and yeah. know that particular statue, however he knows it, doesn't have um, you know yeah. sound. Yeah. So we see uh, number six chopping a tree down. <laughs> with a with a with, pickaxe with. made out of stone. Oh, this scene makes me cringe. I must admit. Um, okay. Who knew it was so easy to um, chop a tree down? And yeah. um, I don't think he's even breaking a sweat. He just chops the tree down and gets to work on it. And minutes yeah, they, later, uh, he's got well, this. Well, they do. They do sort of like a, a sweaty mist thing on the. <laughs> one of the things where they show him he's chopping but that that was a huge tree he went at and yes. you know just a I mean how strong is is he like uh, the bionic man does he have like super muscles because he went through that tree like nothing yeah. well this is the real reason that number six resigned uh, he didn't want to be a spy he wanted to be a lumberjack, lumberjack. yeah clearly <laughs> I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay I'll sleep all night the work all day <laughs> So now oh. you know. History solved. 
I, I do, ha that, get that I do have a question. I, I failed to see him hang around in bars yet, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question though. Uh, we see it's obviously uh, through to, to through the lovely wipes. We see a lot of time has gone past with him knocking the tree down and carving out the not boat. Yeah, <laughs> and we also cut back to number two sitting in the seat in the green dome. Does that mean he has been watching number six for all those hours and not doing anything else? Oh, yeah. Pro probably. Well, you know, yeah, local TV only has though. one channel. They've only got the <laughs> one radio. He doesn't have anything else to do but watch number two. Yes. And then he sprints over there again, you know. He um, yeah. runs over. Little Leo McKern. <laughs> You think he'd be losing a bit of that weight by now? <laughs> yes. Well, I like that he tells him that. Oh, of course we know that all the tools you're using are technically illegal. Yeah, yeah. Bon, yes, I like yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably don't want somebody running around the village with an axe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stone club. Oh, he's using a rolling pin as a hammer. Yeah, I love. I love all that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, at the end so of all that... I, I would sure. like to point out that uh, the tree he cut down is not nearly as wide as that. I was going back and I was going to point that out because uh, I was going back to look at it. I'm thinking, that doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's the magic of television. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then we cut back to the uh, possibly the worst scene in the episode <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Nadia in number six. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, closer to number six talking to Nadia at the door in, um, in this particular uh, part. Uh, these sections of the scene were actually refilmed with Petra McGowan and the double for Nadia Gray, who had to keep her face away from camera. Vince Tilsley uh, recorded that uh, Petra McGowan refused to kiss a girl, Nadia, which I thought was bloody silly. He was constantly making awkward movements to avoid it. I mean, it was simply the natural thing to do, to, was to kiss her. Did, did the newbies pick up on the fact it was a double, because I always think it looks terribly obvious. Tell you the truth, I didn't. Right. Well, that's a good thing. Well, yeah. Well, but the way, way the camera's positioned, um, yeah. I mean, if I went back and now that you guys have pointed out, I would, I would obviously be able to see where they swished her out. Yeah. But, um, I thought that scene was actually kind of interesting because, you know, Nadia comes to the door and he takes the radio with them so yeah. that the, the cameras can't pick up what they're saying. And, yeah. you know, he's getting close so they don't have to talk very loud. And, you know, the expectation is that they're they're getting romantically involved, but they're not because they're they're talking about escaping from the village. Yeah. Yeah, it always surprises me that Patrick McGowan wouldn't do that scene because this this isn't just him acting it, it's number six yeah acting so why he felt he couldn't put his arm around the real nadia gray yeah 
Um, and th- there have been theories over the years that um, the double was Catherine McGowan, his daughter, but um, I believe she recently ruled that out and said, no, no, it wasn't me. Yeah. So it, that, that, that's a bit of a mystery. But um, if you do go back and watch it again, knowing, uh, I hope it's not ruined it for you, actually, uh, you'll see differences in, in height going on. And um, maybe maybe that's interesting to hear your take on it, though, uh, because... Um, maybe I'm getting old and jaded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, you know, it, it might just boil down to something of like, um, occasionally people have really good on-screen chemistry, but they can't stand each other in real life. Yeah, and it, it might just be that he didn't get on with the actress, and uh, while they had good on-screen chemistry with each other and they could play off each other really well, they didn't like each other in person. Right, that's an interesting theory. Possibly. Well, didn't we talk about earlier that 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 McGowan didn't want this to be the James Bondish kind of deal, or he hated that later on? Yeah, I thought yeah. we talked about that, and yeah, maybe that maybe much. that played into into this scene that he he got he was tired of the whole he didn't like the whole always gets the girl kind of attitude. He was famously reluctant, certainly on television, um, to play love scenes. Um, s- some have said that maybe that's because of his um, Catholic... Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I think that he said that, that television is a, is a guest in your home, and so he didn't want to kind of um, impose on the audience uh, by 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 putting in gratuitous sex scenes, um, or, or you know. But this isn't really a sex scene, is it? I mean, you know. And and considering that you know he's, he's fine with showing lobotomies and people having their brains zapped and torture, you know, most weeks. Yes, it seems a bit of an odd attitude, but you know. Um, I'm not knocking the man for that. I mean, that's if that's his belief and 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 he held firm to it. You know, that, yeah. that that's just the way things were, and that's you know that's part of his makeup, I guess. I think we might be overthinking this a little bit. I mean, this is probably just one of those things where it's like, oh, uh, like one of those like last minute things. Like maybe maybe she had had like an onion sandwich or something. Yes. Like, <laughs> like oh well, you know, we'll 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 just fix this in post, and then it leaves the fans to you know, oh my god, look at that! It's like that, yeah. that guy's shirt changed color halfway through the scene. What does it mean? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah, finding patterns where there are no patterns. Yeah. I've done. I've done that. Yes. I've done that recently with um, with All from Black, an editing um, decision that was done within the first fifteen seconds of an episode, and I wrote two paragraphs on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me then. No. <laughs> Thank goodness. Obsession, Jane. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we cut to the um, uh, finals day, the the art exhibition. And um, we cut inside, and everyone has done something uh, uh, either on or about number two. We've got chess here, we've got paintings, we've got possibly every single thing you could possibly think of, except number two has nothing. And number two's piece has nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, that was that was kind of an overload on twos, I think, because uh, everybody did number two to try and get their uh, 
thing to win. And then, uh, well, yeah, it, it didn't matter anyway. Because mm. don't the judges like say something to Six when they're looking at his piece about, well, where's number two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we find out that number um number six has actually won the competition. But it was like uh what what like twenty thousand work units or something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then but he doesn't want the work units, he wants the tapestry. The tapestry which turns into a sail for the non boat. <laughs> I thought I thought that was that was pretty clever. Him using a giant picture of number two to escape the island, mm. or yeah. the village rather. Yeah, yeah, that's a lovely scene. What 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 did you think of um, number six's explanation to the judges of what his um, effort, his artistic effort was? Typical art explanation. Completely full of bullcrap and crock, and made it up on the spot. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, he was just just playing with what the judges' expectations were. Yeah, like, he's like, "Well, what do you think it is? Oh, yeah. is it a church? Right in what? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that is, yeah. that's still relevant today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, he's got he's got the uh, tap- number six has got the uh, tapestry. And then Nadia and him build a boat. We saw this coming, didn't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Teensy wincy bit. Yes. Yeah, but, it's almost like he was carving out a boat to try and escape <laughs> the, the village. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whoo. <laughs> what do you mean it was an actual boat? <laughs> yes. No, no, dude, it was, it was totally a boat. Yes. He totally made a boat. I, I thought it would have been nice if they defied expectations and, and sort of rotors had suddenly appeared out of it and it had taken off into the air. Yes. <laughs> Even though I do have a question, how in that boat? How in the world is that boat holding water? Pass. Well, they they uh, he he built built the floor and then he wrapped the tarp around it. So I don't know. Maybe he waterproofed the tarp somehow. Yeah. You won't get me in it. No, me. <coughs> anyway, they escape the village, and they set sail. And uh, number number uh, number two realizes that, and he sends Rover out. However, in the meantime, Nadia's associates, who's on the rock that they're heading to, how in the world they knew Nadia was coming, I haven't got a clue, but... Um, one of Nadia's associates gets uh, a shotgun out and punches Rover. Mm. With yeah, the bullets. we see bullet holes, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't really kill Rover. It just kind of uh, drives him off. So, which which makes you wonder? I mean, what are the upper limits of Rover? I mean, yeah, we don't yeah. get to see because nobody has any weapons in the village. But I mean, how much damage could Rover take? <laughs> Well, the, the original script, um, it was still referring to, um, I think you guys know this, that originally they're going to have a kind of robotic device, almost like, you know, a, a squatter version of a, a Dalek. Yeah. A blue lamp on the top. Yeah. And um, that would have actually chased number six and Nadia 
onto the beach and we would have seen Carell uh, bashing at it with a rock and, and breaking the blue lights <laughs> and, and, and driving it back into the sea. And um, that probably would have been a lot quite ludicrous. Not the fact that a big, not the fact that a big weather balloon bouncing along the sea. That's fine ridiculous. to me. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with the weather balloon. Okay, okay. And anyway, uh, they get on uh, board. Uh, the, uh, they get on board the island, as it were, uh, make land, and number six wants the watch because his watch is waterlogged. And then they get into the box, and they travel by air, by plane, etc., 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 etc. That is a long time to be spending in a box. Yeah. yeah. However, if you've spent time on an easy just easy jet flight, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, be a box for eight hours looks positively wonderful. Yes, paradise compared. Yes. <laughs> Sue Shane, not me, if you're listening, Easy Jack. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yes, and it's... <laughs> yes, there's, 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 there's no uh, catering for, uh, well, lavatory in, in there, is there? No. It's, um, it must be because great. it's Magoon, of course, they're travelling in separate boxes. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's true. Se- no, separate portions of the box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's he's quite reasonably sort of keeping quiet in case there's anyone outside the box. Yeah. But she can't stop yapping. Yeah. She so, keeps talking to him. Hey, I Big know. Bill. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Bill, <laughs> yeah. Eight hours of that. Oh, Are you engaged to anyone? Do you have a girlfriend? Uh, yeah. Can I go I think, back to the village now? Yeah. Eight hours of that, I think I'll be telling them why I resigned and double quick. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, so we finally get to London uh, with some very, very dodgy um, Cockney accents. Oh, blimey, love a duck, this is heavy. Yes, indeedy. Oh, it's like oh, it's Dick Van Dyke time, isn't it? It certainly is. What? Mary Poppins? What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let <laughs> <laughs> me treat back your chimney, Mary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> If there's one thing that makes an Englishman grit his teeth, it's the sound of Dick Van Dyke in that movie. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but uh, they finally um, land, and we are introduced to uh, uh, Gay and the general. And number six is uh, a bit perturbed. Well, Fotheringay is a bit perturbed because he's coming back from across the Iron Curtain. And he thinks that number six has defected. I mean, it's the logical thought at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you defected over there and now you're coming back because it wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. You're coming back to do the good work, clearly. Yeah. And then we almost hear why number six resigned. He gets about three or four words out. And then we hear the chimes of Big Ben. And all everything comes crashing down. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Almost you know, I, there, but not quite. You know, um, as ridiculous as that giveaway is, yeah, I, I think that's probably why it works so well because it's just one of those little 
minute mistakes that you overlook when you're going through a plan. Yeah. And it's just that's the one thing that gives them away. Yeah. And then he, number six, finds a tape recorder uh, in the cupboard. He unplugs it, and the sound of London stops. Yeah. Plugs it back in, and he finds the uh, sounds restart. Sorry, leaves the office, and he finds himself back in the village. Back in the village. Ta-da. It was all a giant game. Indeed. I always wonder if they actually did the journey that we see with, you know, the crate on the back of the lorry from Corel's luxury cave. Yeah. Uh, and, and getting on the um, the airplane and things, uh, you know. What, what, I, I what think they, they did. Done? Yeah. I, I think it's plausible to think that they, they, they put them on a truck and then they put them on a plane and then they put them on a boat. Yeah. But they just took them in a giant circle and brought them back to the village. Yeah. And then uh, number two tells them that they should get back to London before they're missed. <laughs> Which uh, I'm not sure if maybe I'm overthinking it, but the uh, the one guy he had the coded message sent to, mm-hmm. you know, he's in on it. And, you yeah. know, it's just sort of this like. He doesn't let it show much, but you can just tell like the crushing defeat. Yeah, it's, you know it's you know it's number two. It's his one contact he was trying to get in touch with. It's Nadia. They're they're all part of it. They're all just trying to get within its head. And you know, I, honestly, I think I think he was starting to actually like her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you know it's it's all just they just pull it out from under him, and that's uh, he he just puts up his number six walls of, you know, screw you guys, and then he just walks away. Yeah. Well, Favringay as well. I mean, he's, he's not just someone he's worked with. This is a friend who goes all the way back to school. Yeah. He's betraying him. Yeah. Yeah. So what So what do you think? Who, who runs the village, do you think? That's a tough one. Um... I don't really want to get into like the whole like world government Illuminati thing, but they've got people on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, like maybe maybe the village is like a third party. Maybe the village is like a uh, agreement between the two powers to you know this is where we're gonna send people to break them, and then we're gonna share the information. Uh, yeah. At this point, I, I'm I don't think we can tell who the village belongs to. Okay. Mm. Okay, well, um. Well, John provides the best theory. Okay, go home, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Aaron. No, it's okay. You, you, you can go ahead. Your, your thoughts. No, it's. Cool. No, 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 my, fa- my thoughts. We go should ahead. just rename this podcast to the Sick Podcast because my brain is not working. Okay. <laughs> Today, because it's. Oh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome you to the Plague Special. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, and then we see um, Nadia and number six having a brief brief conversation and Nadia seems to have got a final report with the the superiors and that's where the episode ends Nadia number two yeah 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 Yeah. sorry that was my, my bad yeah
Do you think that um, Nadia sounded like she might be number two superior? That's a good question. Um, I think at the very least she works for his superior, whoever his superior is. Well, everybody works for number one. <laughs> but yes. we don't know who number one is. Yeah. Who is number one? It's clearly that computer from back in episode two. <laughs> it's that one guy on the spinning thing in the middle of the room because uh, it's he's just there kind of chilling out as part of his therapy. You know? Yeah. So, um, anybody got anything else to add? I just think that's an interesting question because assuming that both sides are in on running the village somehow I think it would make a big difference which side number one was on mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh, John and uh, Aaron have you got any f- uh, final thoughts in the episode why can't there be more interaction like this between two and six yeah really because um, yeah, it, this is probably my favorite number two that we've had so far. Okay. Yeah, he's, he, he, uh, Leo McCone probably is kind of the fan favorite mm. number two. It's it's um, a, a, a fr- as a friend of mine put it, uh, number six has met his Moriarty in this episode. Mm. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Well, um, we'll be back right after this ad. Look at the size of those knockers. A young Frankenstein joke, really. Besides mine are better. Inside Outcast podcast, I presume. Um, yes. From geekplanetonline.com? That's us. Please to describe your show for the benefit of the master of the house. Okay. We claim to be the podcast where geek meets goth. For 50 shows a year, we discuss a main topic we usually pick at random, sometimes at the request of a listener. And sometimes we take on a special guest or two. Or provide commentary to movies such as the Marvel superhero films. We also feature a dark track of the week pulled from the dark underground, anything from post-punk to industrial metal. And we even have occasional music podcasts where we play up to ten songs. With some discussion of the type of music, the musical artists, and the songs themselves. But in short, we're a podcast that covers pop culture from a geeky and gothy perspective, focusing on the moments the worlds of the geek and the goth collide. Television, films, comic books, sports, science, history, philosophy, religion, the occult, we talk about almost everything. And we're not the only podcast on geekplanetonline.com. That's right. There's film podcasts such as The Black Dog and Cinematic Dramatic. Horror and cult podcasts like Hypnobobs and It's Mike and Ike's All-Star Summer Jamboree. Television podcasts, including The Babylon Project, Shake and Blake, and The Borg Cast. Then random shows such as Tangential Deviation, Irish Podcast, and A Disappointment. And Geek Planet Online doesn't have just podcasts. There's articles, reviews, and comic strips, too. Very well. The master will be more than simply satisfied. Please to come in. 
There are refreshments in the dining area and dancing in the hall. Our resident DJ is dropping mad beats like they are hot, yo. Please do raise the roof in his presence. Welcome back. Hopefully everyone enjoys, um, checks out that podcast. It is a really good podcast and it's one of my personal favorites. Um, but we've got some feedback. Uh, John, I believe... Yay, feedback. We always love reading your your feedback. Uh, I believe, John, you have an email. Yeah, we have an email from Harold. Chimes of Big Ben. It seems to me that up until this episode, each episode could be categorized into either one of which six plans an escape or in which the village confines him to get into confines him to get get him to talk. <clears throat> Excuse me. What made the Chimes of Big Ben stand out is that it was the first one to combine these two plots. So that six escape plan turns out to be an elaborate ploy encouraged by the village to get him to lower his defenses and boy it almost worked mm. I loved how Six just deflates the moment he realizes that he's back in the village and just walks away I like this number two he wasn't a charming gentleman like the others the only thing that keeps this episode from perfection is how Six could blindly accept that Nadia was somehow made contact with the outside world to help in their escape it should have been a big warning sign to him Nine out of ten waterproof. <coughs> nine out of ten waterproof watches. Harold, <laughs> right, brilliant. Uh, and I have uh, something from uh, Sergeant Drano. Yay! Yay! Sergeant Drano. <laughs> Big fun here. Uh, he writes, "Yikes! Sunday already." Let's see off the top of my head. We get to see Rob with balls again, towering, towering set. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what he says. We get to see Velvet Balls again, towing Nadia to shore. He, he, he. Uh, I thought it was neat seeing someone actually shoot Rover and hold the appear- and holds appearing in him. Yeah. Interesting, it doesn't af- seem to affect Rover much. Hmm. Number six starts to answer the question of why he resigned, but stops when he hears the chimes. He says... Because for a very long time, how would our new arrivals complete that sentence? Why did number six resign? Do you want to answer that question? As we all begin hacking again. Job dissatisfaction. I'm I'm still going with a moral disagreement over something. Uh, Because he wanted to be a lumberjack. Oh, well, there's always that. Yes, indeed. Uh, going back to the email, uh, we also have some very interesting information regarding the issue of who runs the village. Colonel Jay and Fotheringay are two highly ranking officials in British intelligence, though their first impost may not. So the first impost may might be to think that Britain is behind the village, but then number two fa- tells Fotheringay that he and the colonel have to get back before the absence is noticed. To me, this implies that a double agent's traitors to British intelligence. So, what do I think? What do our new arrivals think at this point in the series? Which side runs the village? Well, I think we uh, touched on that during the episode discussion a little bit. Mm. Uh, Nadia is the new number eight. We are told the previous number eight was a man who is now dead. But before that, there was a female number eight, the queen, from Checkmate. High turnover for number eight. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, well, well, Nadia was originally going to be, if I, if I can just help him out here, was she was originally going to be number seven, um, but Patrick McGowan had a thing about the numeral seven. Okay, and um, that's why they changed it to eight. So. Oh, okay, I, di- I didn't even know that. Yeah, now Nutty mentioned that when she was on the show that they they don't have a listed number seven that appears in the show. Could that be why? Yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, you will you will see it on 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 um, on the the telephone in in number six's apartment, but for now, um, yeah. He, uh, Patrick McGowan didn't want the number seven. Um, some people think maybe it's because of 007. You know, he was trying to stay as far away from James Bond as possible, but you know, who knows? Oh, interesting. Uh, Leo McKern in the great number two and he claims that he is a prisoner too are both lifers is he telling the truth or is it simple BS uh, while they're being transported Nadia asks number six a number of questions it's interesting that those he doesn't answer and those he pointedly doesn't answer so why does that guy have a watch displaying London time your rival's thoughts? In the hopes that he would never notice. Yeah, I think, as I said before, I think it's just one of those things that they overlooked. It's just one of those little minute details you overlook when you're going over a whole plan. Yeah, it's, it's not really London time. It's village time it's set, isn't it? And, and they're all in the village, yeah. really. Not a bad episode, but I can't really call it one of my favourites. I'll give it 8 out of 10. Charm's a big bail. <laughs> and I don't know about number two being lifers. I mean, number two seemed to last about a week. Mm. Oh, but they're still probably somewhere around the village, maybe. Not all of them seem to have gone off to something better. Well, obviously, they, if they don't, they don't get reelected, then they're out. Or maybe there's more than one village, and they just sort of, you know, they they go round. You know, there's a there's a rotor. Ah, interesting theory. So they moved uh, to the Hellmouth in <laughs> Cleveland. Yes, possibly. <laughs> a Buffy reference there for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and we have another email from Debs. Hi Shane, interesting. I have just done an episode synopsis for the latest Six for Two magazine, and we have, are basing all the editions on the 17 episodes. The first one was arrival, of course. I am posing questions for discussion at the end of each episode synopsis to try and simulate discussion and debate. In my opinion, the main thing about this episode to me is it's totally out of place as episode 2. Comments from number 2 regarding the it's about time he sat a day and do you remember your first day, implying that number six had been there for some time and the episode itself spanned six weeks. All this conflict with his performance in Dance of the Dead, where he, number six, claims I'm new here, plus other references to him only just arriving. This is definitely one of the episodes that must have prompted the whole Reddit and Order debate which had been trembling around for years. It was one of the it was mostly shot at Bourne Wood Studios and very little, if any, at Pumarian, except for the reuse of stock footage here and there. Hospital taxi, exterior shoots, green dome, etc. Another myth that has been around for some time that is 
daughter Catherine appeared in a wig for the scene where number six had his arm around Nadia and he seemed to be stroking her hair slash face. Once again, a rear shot on Nadia while talking just before the crush, just before the curfew outside number six's cottage. This had recently been proved false by Catherine herself during her interview at Port Maricon 2014, and she was adamant it wasn't her. And then there is the whole alternative version, which had the astronomy session cut, and had all for that, that awful cacophony of alternative music from the start. Thank goodness it wasn't used. Anyway, that's my top and twirl. I hope everything goes well. Kind of regards, Debs. But uh, to finish off our feedback, I understand we have a voicemail from Nutty, and I believe, Bob, you have that. Yes, I do. I should point out before we listen to the... Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Before we listen to the uh, uh, voicemail, I should point out, as I said earlier on, Nutty did watch this episode as the second episode um, of uh, The Prisoner and not in the position that we're watching. So, here's Nutty. Hi, this is Nuchas giving feedback for the Prisoner episode, The Chimes of Big Ben. So, alright, so I watched this out of the order that the podcast is watching this, because I did not realize that the air order and the proper order is different. So I didn't realize that, and I watched The Arrival, then I watched The Chimes of Big Ben. So finding out that the order is messed up explains why the main character was a little too acclimated to the village and knew the goings-on and how to play it too well. Uh, That explains that. Um, So far, I'm loving the series. I'm surprised at how much I like the series. The big white balloons are a little cheesy, but it's okay for the time era of this series. Um, And the budget that I know that uh, shows in the BBC were at the time. I mean, it's kind of amazing considering. I loved this episode. I had so many questions about like who was who and who was behind this and I, I felt that the people he worked for had something to do with this and how in depth are these things. So these, the, all of these things were going on in my head and this answered some questions. When the new neighbor shows up, I wasn't sure if she was a plant. I wasn't sure if she was real. I, I didn't know. I thought it was kind of interesting at the end when it seems like she's, uh, she's number two's boss. Oh, and that's the other thing. It's a completely different number two. Again, it's like the third number two. Anyway, she's like number two's (laughs) boss. I, I was surprised that they wouldn't notice that he was running away. Like, it was obvious he was carving a boat, and why would they not check on them in the middle of the night? Like, what makes him think he can sneak out in the middle of the night? So, all of that is is very... Well, it was answered, and, and it was great, though. Like, it kept me hooked to it. Um, I definitely see the tropes that I've seen all over that are in reference to the prisoner. Um, but it's not spoiled because of that. It's it's quite fun. Um, I'm I'm sold. This episode has sold me on the series. Now I can go back and I can watch the episodes in the proper viewing order. <laughs> okay. So thanks. Yeah. Nice thanks comments. very much for that, uh, Nutty. That's very very uh, good of you. Um. As always, you can leave us feedback via uh, our email, which is... Although, as always, forget the email. 
the prisoner intracast at gmail.com or you can always leave it um, at facebook.com forward slash prisoner intracast um, as always uh, want to thank the band do not forsake me or my darling who that it is very very kindly um, uses our music for our lovely little show here Mm. Uh, you can find them as always at do not forsake.com where all their music is that is actually free to download have you have you have you, have you i guess you probably have if you've, you've watched the the film that they made where they recreate shot for shot the opening of the prisoner um the opening time oh, i think that's wonderful yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it is amazing, and some of their other videos as well, which I can't discuss obviously for spoilerific reasons. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, amazing as well. But when you get to the end of the series, you know, do do go and look them up. Definitely, I'll be I'll be I'll be posting them in the group as we go. So yeah, I do have I do I have I have downloaded all their music to my phones, and I do listen to to their music regularly on a regular basis. And Sophia is threatening to listen to the podcast. Yes, she is. Hey, get um. her on as a guest. She she'd be great. Uh, well, you've you've heard that. Well, hopefully by now you're listening to the podcast, Sophia. Uh, consider that an invite. If you want to come <laughs> on, just just send send us a message. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, the episode that we'll be doing in a fortnight is uh, called. The general. So, Aaron and John, what do you think the general means? It, it better revolve around the general that we've seen a couple times now at this point. Okay. Like number six. That's That's um, got to be my guess. Oh, uh, you know it won't. He'll be some random guy that we've oh, never it probably seen won't. We'll never see him again. <laughs> Turn around, the village is awfully high. Yes. Uh, okay. Brilliant. I'm, assuming there's probably going to be a bit of a military theme in that episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, po- that's all I got. <laughs> cool. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll be back as always in a fortnight. So, uh, say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Good seeing you. <laughs>